0: So uh, let me tell you about my Uncle Scotty real quick, and I, I thought this would be a good way to, to intro uh, kind of where you've been, and, and, and here's the thing, it's a tough job to follow up such talented preachers and speakers uh, who have gone before me, all right? Have y'all been here for every single lesson so far? I don't know if they brought me in because I was the worst of the four, or the best of the four, or how that's working. I'm going to try not to break down the psychology of it, but I am just glad to be here. I'm honored and privileged to spend the night. Uh, tonight, speaking about Jesus and just talking about how to be better with you guys. Um, I was a high school teacher and coach for 13 years in the area. Uh, I graduated from Rome, so I'm a local guy. Um, I know I've seen some of you, our Murchie folks, lately. I've uh, been, been there. I uh, was at Model last Friday uh, at FCA, and the Lord called me out of education into, into ministry. And so, when I'm speaking to high school kids, you are my peeps. Okay, y'all are my peeps, and I spoke to our Mercy Volleyball, and I was like, man, this is like, oh, this is heaven for me, so I want y'all to know, like, next, not next week, but the next week, I'll be speaking to the middle school, I will have to manufacture some excitement, okay, I'm just telling you, but for you guys, no manufacturing, it's real, okay, because I spent 13 years pouring into young people like you, and uh, and so, man, hopefully we can do that tonight, but I was going to tell you about my Uncle Scotty. My uncle, Scotty, uh, lived a real sinful life. He never knew Christ. He uh, was my mom's baby brother. There's four kids in the family. And and everybody has a crazy uncle or aunt, right? Would everybody agree with that pretty much, all right? Or somebody crazy in the family. And, and Scotty was the guy. I mean, I had a couple, actually. So uh, I don't know about your family. You're thinking, all you had is one? No, man, we had multiple, okay? We didn't play around with with craziness in our family. But my mom's baby brother... Uh, was a super lost guy, um, and and he was engulfed in sexual sin the majority of his life. Um, and when he got into his twenties, he started smoking dope. Um, he was a he was a hairstylist. I know it sounds crazy, right? He was a hairstylist, and he ended up becoming. A kind of a guy, he kind of traveled back and forth to Hollywood and New York, and he was like on—he was doing runway shoots and all kind of stuff. And he was—he was the hair guru, okay, of America per se. And he was just man. He started smoking dope. He started drinking a lot. Eventually, it led him to cocaine. And so, at probably the age of forty or forty-one, he started having some major health issues because of drug use and and just living hard. And if you know anybody who's addicted to drugs or they just live really hard, no matter whatever it is, they're not even who they are, right? They become somebody else. And my uncle Scotty had become that guy. And he was like the crazy cool uncle that my dad, every Christmas and Thanksgiving, we'd roll up, my brother and I, we'd roll up into my grandmother's driveway and he'd say, all right, now guys, before we get in there, all right, I don't know if y'all ever get this kind of speech or not, but before you get in there, now you do know your uncle's crazy. All right, this is my dad. Now, listen, we love him, okay, but he's crazy. And if he gives you really bad advice, don't listen to it. If he sees spiders crawling up the wall, he was schizophrenic too, by the way. If he goes crazy and has an episode, man, don't worry about it. Just get out of the way. We'll handle it. All the men in the room will handle it. You guys will be fine. You know, I always got these speeches. And by the time my uncle was 40, he had done so much cocaine that he had eaten a hole in his esophagus. He could no longer eat. He had to be fed from a tube, and he ended up going into hospice. And and so he ended up going into hospice, and I don't know if you know what hospice is, but it's basically care for you as you spend your final moments being taken care of and just kind of waiting it out whenever you're going to die. And so my uncle goes in, and his mind is jacked up because he did so many drugs over the years, and his body's ravaged, and he goes into hospice, and... Literally, his brain was cooked, all right, down to where in his last few days, all he wanted to do was watch Shrek. So people would go visit him and he would say, Shrek, is that you? Shrek, oh my gosh, come on in, all right? And he couldn't eat and he was starving, he was slowly starving to death and it was just really a sad story. But about three days before my uncle's life ended, he called the nurses into his room and he asked if any of them knew God. Now, once you think about his mind and how crazy he was for so long, and he, I guess it, the reality was starting to set in that he was not going to live much longer. And he called some nurses and he said, do you all know God? And the nurses came in and said, well, of course we do. We've been praying over you every day. We've been asking you if you knew God and you never responded. And he says, well, I don't, but I want to. And my uncle, three days before he died, prayed, all right, and accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Three days before he died. Three days later, my brother, who was a devout atheist, all right, grew up in the same house, same mommy and daddy, went to the same church. I'm in ministry, and he's anti-God, anti-Jesus, everything, and reads books, and is super smart, and all that good stuff. Was with my uncle, holding his hand, talking to him when my uncle took his last breath. And this is what my my uncle said to my brother. He looked him in the eyes, and he said, Neil. He knew his name. He said, Neil, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And he he took his last breath, and he died. My brother is still not a believer. Can you believe that? My uncle, in his last moments, was starting to describe heaven. He lived his whole life lost, and three days before he died, he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Let me ask you a question. Do you think my uncle is in heaven? Adults, you think my uncle's in heaven? kids yeah maybe y'all don't want to say no right you don't want to be mean to the speaker and be like no man it's too late he gone you know what I'm I wasn't there but based on the nurses testimony and, and what they saw and experienced according to them it was an authentic understanding of who Jesus is and the resurrection. And this guy's brain was fried, man. He was talking about Shrek one minute and the next minute he could comprehend it all. That's some crazy stuff. That's some supernatural stuff. I don't have one single doubt that the God of this universe, all right, would not accept or accept, how do I put that, my uncle into, into eternity. I, I, I honestly think I'm going to see my uncle again. I believe in my heart with, without a doubt that, that my uncle accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. You know what's crazy about that? The majority of the world would say because of the way he lived, the majority of his life, There's no way that heaven rejoiced like he would for the rest of us that you know, all you guys came to know Jesus. You've been in church your whole life. You know, most of you are pretty good kids. You're checking boxes, right? You're reading your Bible. You're tweeting some cool, awesome tweets that are really spiritual. And you're putting pictures of your toes in the foreground and the beach in the background. And you got some cool verses right there on your Instagram. All that good stuff is right. You know Jesus. You've either made that de- declaration that you know God, that you know His Son Jesus, and that He died for your sins. And you're going to have to do a whole life's worth of work. But my uncle can go his whole life, in three days before he dies, he accepts Christ. That's hard for people to understand, isn't it? It's like, man, you ain't paying your dues. I paid my dues. Right? Isn't that how some people might see that? Y'all tracking? Don't go to sleep on me, or we'll turn these lights straight up. We'll take a walk around that cemetery, and I'll do this. Will you follow me? Alright, I promise you, it'll spook you out so bad, you'll never forget this sermon. Wouldn't that be amazing? Y'all are thinking, let's do it! And if I taught you in school, I probably would, alright? But Ryan might be mad. Alright? And really, I don't care if Ryan's mad, I love Ryan, he knows that. But... My point is this, is as you've studied the prodigal son, you've studied the lost sheep, you've studied the parable of the coin, you've studied all that stuff, right? There's, there's really three stories that you guys, I think, right? Y'all have done week one, two, three, right? Sheep, coin, son. Sheep, coin, son, right? And they're all very similar. In, and so if you would, um, I want you to turn, turn on your Bibles. <laughs> Did the adults in the room ever think that we would say that in our life? Turn on your Bibles. But anyway, we're going to turn on our Bibles. And if you've got one that you want to open up, you can. But let's, let's flip to Luke 15. And, and so uh, a couple things I want to point out, um, and I know I don't have you know, crazy amounts of time, but a couple things I want to point out in this is I think you've probably been taught well because the studs before me have done a great job. Okay, so I'm not going to go back and reteach, but here's what I am going to do. I'm going to take us forward in this, and then I'm going to set you down in a place where your heart is ready for Jonah. All right? I'm the transition guy. Okay? Are y'all cool with that? So a couple things that just popped up as I'm, as I'm getting ready to present this or teach this to you guys was, and I started thinking about my Uncle Scotty kind of all in the same process and kind of got emotional a little bit because he was one of my favorite uncles. And I started thinking about, man, I miss that guy, you know? I miss that guy. But, man, I rejoice knowing that I'll see him again. And so, how cool is it that God seeks, that's one of the things I thought about as I think about the sheep, all right, and chasing the one, and leaving the 99, and all the warm fuzzy songs that talk about that now, right, and all that stuff. The fuzziness isn't in the song, the fuzziness is in the fact that God continues to seek the lost, y'all with me? Even your friends who aren't doing the things that you're doing and not doing the right things and maybe not living for Christ, like, you need to look at them and go, God's still chasing this guy, this girl. When the world gives up on people, God is constantly seeking them. And in the parable of the coin, kind of the same thing, like, God is is seeking But what's cool about the prodigal son is that in in that parable, he's actually waiting. Not only does he seek the lost, he waits on the lost. And so that's where last week was, is that this father waited on his son, just like God waits on us. I think about how God constantly sought after my uncle and waited on him till three days before he died. You know what's even cooler about that? The number three is God's number. Y'all do do your homework on that. It's pretty cool stuff. So here's the deal. Let's look at Luke 15 real quick. We're not going to read through it, but what I do want to do is point out uh, to you, and I I don't know if they covered this or not, but I'm the joy and celebration guy. Okay, So y'all track with me because my job is to come in and sit us down in the joy and the celebration of a lost soul coming to know Christ and then taking you in to a mindset for Jonah. And so here's the deal. If you you look at this entire uh, passage, Luke 15, all the way down from the lost sheep to the lost coin to the lost son, joy and celebration is mentioned eight times. Now, I know Ryan probably touched on it just a little and said rejoice and they celebrated and those things. But here's what I want to do. I don't want to talk to you about the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the lost son. What I want to do is I want to point out that, that there's something bigger going on here. I mean, it's, I know it's, it's big, right? the love of Jesus, the fact that God never quits seeking us and waiting on us. But check this out. Eight times he mentions joy and celebration. Eight times. And so, let's read a few of these, all right? So, let's start down in 15 and look at 5, 6, and 7. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Rejoice. Do you know what rejoice means? Joy and rejoy and joy and more joy and joy on top of joy on top of joy on top of joy. Rejoy, joy all over again, all over again, all over again. That's what we call in our world getting super jacked up for Jesus. Okay? We'll scroll on down to the parable of the lost coin, 8 through 10, but let's read 9 and 10, if you'll read along with me. And I'm reading out of the NIV. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Man, I don't know about you guys. I'm not the smartest guy probably in this room. My mama said I was pretty smart at one time. I was in the gifted program. All right? But you don't have to be to know there's a common theme going on here. So let's keep on scrolling down. Let's go to the parable of the lost son. Let's go down to verse 23. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Keep on tracking. 29. But but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave me even a young yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Keep on tracking, keep on tracking. Stay with me now. All right, on your electronic devices are perfectly legal tonight. All right. You're not getting in trouble for, for burying your face in it. Go all the way down to 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And is found. Eight times they talk about celebration and joy. Okay? So let's stay there. Y'all just track with me a few more minutes. I promise Ryan will come in and save you, all right, from this message in a few. But check this out. Nobody as a teenager ever really told me or taught me about joy and celebration in Christ. I grew up in this small little church here in Rome. We got out our hymnals. And everybody that was in the choir, they wore a robe. And it was a great little place. And I sat in the same seat, literally the same seat, same pew, same everything, till I was 18 years old. My dad is a, an intimidating guy. And if anybody even got close to that pew, all right, my dad's one of those guys that, that he would have long jumped or high jumped over three pews to get his seat. He was going to hustle and compete. I've always said this. You'll see more contact in the back row of a church than you will in the NFL. There's more competition for the back row or a certain pew than there is in the NFL on Sunday. That's where the real competition is. Go check out a church somewhere. Anyway, all right. I know you young kids still think the NFL is great. Okay. No? Okay. I'm glad we got some cool kids in here that get it. Okay. College. College I agree. That's where it's at, man. That's where it's at. Um, so what is joy? And so I guess if you have joy and you talk about rejoicing, what is joy? And so that's my job is to take you down that trail. So what is joy? Anybody want to guess? Anybody want to throw it out there? <laughs> Happiness. Jesus yourself. You go, girl. you been in the FCA Bible. No, great job. Man, I like it. Jesus, others, yourself. That's true joy. I like it. Anybody else? If somebody came up to you and said, man, what is joy? Real joy. Something nobody can take from you. What is joy? What? Fulfillment. I like it. Love. I like it. Anybody else? Come on. I like it from the back. I know I said there was competition in the back. I didn't say it wasn't get good stuff back there, though, right? Anybody else? Why don't y'all smile? I mean, I only got a few smilers in the room. Am I scary? Just because I'm 6'6", hunchback, and long neck? Why y'all got to hate on me like that? Most of the time, people try to make you feel better about yourself and smile at you every now and then. All right. Come on. This is not. This is not your worst class in school, man. This is church. This is love. This is joy, right? I know it's late, but hey, we're talking about Jesus here, the author of life. Yes, all those things are, are great descriptors of joy. But when you t- think about joy, I walk inside of churches and schools all the time, and I, and I build. I, God has given me this cool honor and privilege. I go in and out of schools, and I equip leaders for Christ and then I go in churches and I share the gospel and I do all this stuff and I walk in and I see worship leaders awesome ones by the way you got a you got a, a middle school bassist that's pretty rad right there <laughs> you don't find that a lot but you got these these worship teams and they're just like come on now stay with me now be with me now come on one more time and the kids are going your praise will It will be like, come on, man. We got to do this verse again. That's kind of how it is in real church, you know? And I walk in, and and here I am. I'm the joy guy everywhere I go. I spoke to Shorter Football a couple weeks ago, and I walked in, and I said, are y'all jacked up or what? And they were like, yeah, and I go, no, you're not. All right. Just because you're football guys and you scream, let's go, doesn't mean you're jacked up. Right? We see that a lot. But you know what, I'm, I'm, I, I, listen, here's what I want to do tonight. I, I want to just kind of give you some fresh perspective as to, in a life in Christ, what you're supposed to have with you and be all about, and it says it eight times in here. And so, what is joy? And I, I thought I'd make it a, a, a way that we could all remember it, okay? So I, I thought about this, long and hard. I did my homework, I promise. But, you know, people think that joy is in Christ and happiness is the world. Y'all ever heard that? Where joy is like something that nobody can take from you, but happiness is like emotional feel-good stuff. But did you know that biblically speaking, the Bible references happy and it references joy. It references both. And really, there's no evidence that happiness and joy are really anything different. Trust me, I've had to preach on this a lot. I know that's crazy, Happiness and joy, biblically, are pretty much the same thing. Now, now follow me here. Here's what joy is. It's happiness, happiness in Jesus. Fair enough. Adults, y'all follow me? You're tracking? You approve? Happiness in Jesus. Can y'all remember that? Everybody repeat that with me. Say it. Ready? Happiness in Jesus. In Jesus, Y'all smiled and did that at the same time. That made me feel good, like you actually get it. You know what I'm saying? You're like, happiness in Jesus, yeah. If I say it, I better be it. How about this one? Joy is sharing with... Now, this is deep. Are y'all ready for this? Okay, this is me at the kitchen table, like, just praying about it, okay? Joy is sharing with God eternal pleasure in his son, Jesus. Oh, and ho, ho. when I came up with that, I thought, dude, I sound pretty smart. I should be a theologian. All right. And the God was like, no, man, you're just an FCA missionary. All right. Sharing with God eternal pleasure in his son, Jesus. That would kind of be the same thing as happiness in Jesus. Would you agree? So, all of that to say that when you have joy biblically, what is produced? If you're happy in Jesus, what would you do about it? You'd rejoice because you want it over and over again. That's right. But but here's the thing is, in this, he mentions celebration. This Father celebrating, right? So, in the joy... Y'all tracking with me? When you're happy in Jesus, when you're sharing with God pleasure in his son Jesus, what's produced in you is the mentality that it's okay to celebrate. It mentions in these passages, party, celebrate, let's throw down in the name of Jesus. That's okay to do? Are you kidding me? I can get jacked up for Jesus, and it's okay. You know how long it took me to understand that it was okay to be happy in Jesus because the little church that I went to my whole life, if I ever thought about writing a note, because I had to go to big church. You know, we didn't have little church. You all ever heard of little church? We didn't have that. Okay, we had to go to big church. and All the adults were laughing because they all had to go to big church, and I was like five, six years old. It was miserable. I remember my brother and I sitting next to each other and my dad would be like, hey, y'all don't say a word, don't do anything, don't write notes, don't, don't even think about it or I'll hurt you. I remember being like five or six years old and it just I couldn't, I couldn't help it. It was my little brother, oh gosh. He's so cute and he's so obnoxious and I, I got to mess with him and I couldn't take it. So I'd have to do something and my dad would go, hey, hey, hey. I'd see him cut his eyes over there, you know. And it was like, if you laugh... If you smile, like, are you being reverend if you do that? Is that okay to laugh and smile in church? I mean, I was scared to death for 30 years. Now I'm 41, like I'm good with it. So I'm the guy now in church where I'm like this. (laughs) I mean, I'll go old school. I'll go John Travolta 70s in the back. I'll do whatever it takes, man. I'm like, hey, let's get jacked up. I look, out and my wife gets so mad at me because I'll be sitting. I'm like, "Look at that guy. Is he having fun? I mean, does he even? I mean, does he know Jesus for real? Look at him. He looks sad. He looks mad." My wife's like, "Why you? Why do you got judged like that?" I'm like, "You're right." But a part of me is thinking, "Man, if you are happy in Jesus because you know Him, you got no choice but to be happy in Him, which means you ought to exude with joy." And therefore, when you are together, like tonight, you ought to celebrate. And which leads me to the prodigal son that came home, who lived this crazy life, and he squandered all his daddy's money that he was going to leave him. And he comes home, and the dad's waiting, and he puts his arms around him, and he says, Let's party, baby. And the brother's like, Oh, no, no. Not that chump. All that I've done, and that's how you treat him, and you hadn't so much to give me anything. Y'all with me? So here we go. This is the transition into getting ready for Jonah. This is crazy how this happens. So here we go. How much time do I have? A couple minutes? Am I good? So here we go. The dad was celebrating, everybody was throwing down for Jesus. Right? In this parable, except the brother. Let me ask y'all a question. Why the brother, why, why, why was he acting like that? Y'all studied this. What's wrong with that guy? Jealous. What else? Boom! Prideful. Y'all know what pride is? It's making you more important than everybody else. It's making you God. Because when you make you most important, then you make God less important than you. So ultimately, you're making you God. Now That's crazy, isn't it? Now think about pride that way. As soon as you get prideful, you're like, oh God, I ain't trying to be God. But ultimately, that's what it leads to. You become the most important when God's supposed to be the most important. You with me? What what else? Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys, a show of hands, for real, I want you to be honest, think that you live a really good life compared to your classmates? I mean, just compared to most of the people in your school, most of the girls or the guys your age that are out there and they're tweeting stuff and you hear what they're talking about and their Instagram accounts are, man, they're kind of shady. How many of you would admit that you're pretty much in good shape compared to the rest of your school? All right? So here's what this brother did, and I want you to know this is a deadly, slippery slope for you, and this is my job to come in and kind of give you the, hold on now, as we go into Jonah. Check this out. The slippery slope is that you guys, because you get poured into and because you know Jesus and I'm assuming most of you have made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and it doesn't mean you're living a perfect life but check this out you're thinking man at least I know him look at that guy and look at that girl and look at look at what they're doing and look at what I'm doing you know what I'm doing it right they're lost But you know what? If they would live like me, we'd be in great shape. Now check this out. The brother, here he is, the brother is saying this. He hasn't done anything to earn it or deserve it, and I have. And therefore, he's not worth it. Now I want you to remember, what does the world tell us about the lost? How about my uncle Scotty? Don't forget about that guy. The world says that he didn't do enough in his life to earn God's love. Y'all with me? Prodigal son, Uncle Scotty, I know. Y'all with me? You tracking? Just give me a nod if you are. Okay, good. But that's not how it works, and you know that, right? You know that. So Jonah is going to be your next series. And here's the deal. I'm here to really encourage you to have happiness in Jesus and to celebrate and to be okay doing it. Get jacked up for Jesus. But check this out. The dad celebrated his son. And the fact that his son had been found. How many of us could say that our greatest enemy in our life, that if they came to school tomorrow and they said, you're never going to believe this, I gave my life to Jesus. And you knew all the junk that they had done in the past five years and you would probably deep down there's a part of all of us that would say i don't know i don't know i don't know if that's real or not but you know what the heavens would do (laughs) what would the heavens do if that kid who has been lost at your school came to know jesus what would the heavens do so what should we do but here's what happened in Jonah, which is your next series. Jonah is told to go to Nineveh. He hated those people. It's the most wicked city in the history of the world. And Jonah did not want to go because he hated them and he didn't think that they deserved the love of God. So when God said go right, Jonah went left. Which actually I showed you you're right, didn't I? But you you knew what I was saying. And Jonah ended up in Nineveh, and he said eight words, and the entire city repented. Eight words! Because God's love is for everybody. You with me? Jonah went reluctantly. He didn't want to go because those people were living wrong. And he didn't think it was fair. But you know what? God showed up and showed out, and the entire city repented and came to know Christ. Y'all tracking? So here's the bow. Happiness in Jesus is something to celebrate. When somebody comes to know Christ, regardless of how you feel about them, if you know Jesus pursued you and waited for you, he does the same for them. You celebrate with them. No matter what you think. Because God's love is for everybody. But be careful that you don't ever become the believer that says, you know what, they're not worth it. They've done too much in their life to not deserve it. You with me? You tracking? Are y'all praying or sleeping? Or both? I love you guys. I'm thankful for your time. Am I good time-wise? Hey, I'm going to pray us out of here. And... uh, Man, I hope and pray that, that you guys, I'm going to talk to Ryan. I'm going to say, hey, are those high school kids, are they jacked up? Are they celebrating Jesus? Are they happy in Jesus? I mean, hey, this ain't no joke, right? I mean, celebrating with God, his son Jesus, man, that, that gets me fired up. I don't know if it's the coffee or that or both, but I think it's probably both. It's a good thing. Let's pray.